Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, November 28th, 2021 called A Christmas Journey Out of Eden, given by Pastor Chris Simmons. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Good morning again, everybody. I was just up here. It's good to see you again. Um, It's great to be here amongst you today as we start off with this first Sunday in Advent, right? And we're journeying out of Eden. And honestly, Pastor Jonathan and I, we were talking and we were discussing about what the sermon service is going to be, and we kind of settled on journeying to Christmas. And the irony with this is it's really a time of journeying in a lot of ways, isn't it? I mean, physically, this is the time of year we had the busiest travel season we have ever had just this past week. Right? You think people are kind of itching to get out and get moving again as we kind of journey out of a pandemic, but we also journey physically to see, well, family, right? People, friends that we haven't seen in so long. And it's a wonderful time, the holidays, as we journey together, whether it's for Thanksgiving or for parties or for Hallmark Christmas movie marathons, then I'm sure everyone travels to go and watch with other people, right? Good. It's not just me. Just wanted to make sure. Yet, and when we we journey, when we see family and we see friends, what tends to come with family and friends? Food. Yes, food. Also, something a little bit of trying, right? When I see my family, this happens every once in a while. It starts with the C and ends with the flicked. (laughs) Conflict, (laughs) right? I experience a little bit of conflict when we travel and see family or when I travel and see certain friends. It just kind of comes with the package. And if you've never had conflict in your family, let me know. And then tell me the secret. <laughs> right? Tell me the secret because it certainly happened with our family. So as we journey to Christmas, we start at Eden. And honestly, we start at the birth of conflict. The birth of conflict, and we got a great overview from Elaine over here who kind of gave us the whole arching narrative that's honestly pretty popular. You've probably heard of the fall, right? The fall of Adam and Eve, the fall from the garden, right? And what uh, they ate from the apple, and then Eve ate from the apple, and then the serpent is slithering on his belly, and he says, you're cursed, and thus I will send a seed from woman who will stomp on your head, and you will strike his heel. We get all that. It's wildly popular. happens all the time. The part that gets skipped very often is the part that occurs right after that. And it's over here in verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man And to the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the tree of life. So there's a lot of law in that section. We hear a lot about the consequences of our sin, the consequences of the fall and what's happened. But but really, there's a big section of mercy and grace that we skip over in that small section, in that very small section. Then, of course, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that first prophetic messianic prophecy, right, of the the Lord sending from the seed of woman one that will crush the head of Satan. So although we are here at the very birth 
of conflict, what we see in the mercy and grace in this passage is that we indeed have the God of conflict resolution. So although we have the birth of conflict, God is already resolving conflict. He is indeed the God of conflict resolution. And we have a few things, believe it or not, we could learn about conflict resolution. And if you don't, then this sermon's just for me. <laughs> starting, starting off with chapter, uh, with uh, point one, and it's this, right? That point of rebellion. When we rebel, God is not a God of do-overs. We cannot go back. We can only go forward. We cannot go back. We could only go forward. And honestly, we'd, we'd like a couple do-overs in life, wouldn't we? I certainly would if I could have a little time travel back in my back pocket to redo a few things. I'm sure Adam and Eve would really like a do-over in what they did in the garden. But you see, what happens in that section, that last part of Genesis 3, and on, God doesn't let them go back in the garden, does he? In fact, if they tried, what do you think would have happened? They would die, right? They would. I had a little girl that was sitting over here in the, in the first service, and she went like this. And I'm like, yep, that's probably what would have happened. Right? And here's the other thing in that section. God does not allow them to live forever. Right? We read that. Lest they should live forever if they continue to stay in the garden and eat from this tree. And you see, God doesn't want them to live forever for a key reason. He doesn't want them to live forever in sin. The very pinnacle of his creations, the ones he loves so dearly he molded with his own hands, he doesn't want them to live in sin and to be apart from him for all eternity. Therefore, he doesn't allow them to live forever. What we're seeing in this section is a very important thing that you've probably heard, and it's this statement. What's done is done. What's been said cannot be unsaid. If you haven't heard of this and it's news to you, hear it again. What's done is done. What's said can't be unsaid. And I know that's a harsh law to hear. We have a great God of mercy and grace, but there is this element here. What's done is done, and what's said cannot be unsaid. And I'm telling you here at church, it goes all the way back to that birth of conflict, but it also happens today. It's something we need to realize right now because Jesus and Paul, they warn us about this all the time. Paul's like, hey, love is patient, it's kind, it's gentle, it's slow to anger, so you should be loving. Don't be slow, don't, don't be fast to anger. Jesus tells you, hey, be fast to listen and slow to speak. So once you do something, it's done. Once you've said something, it can't be unsaid. And I say that because God's not in the, the business of do-overs. And I tell you what, after this week, I wish I had a few do-overs. You probably wish you had a couple Right? I mentioned that before. How about Thanksgiving Day? Have you ever just been laying there on the couch going, oh, I can't function. <laughs> I wish I didn't have that last piece of pumpkin pie. Right? I wish I could do that over. If I could go back and die, I just wouldn't have that one. If you're not like that, you're going, oh, I wish I could have a do-over over here. It's probably moved to the side and the love handles over here. It's like, I wish I could have a do-over after a few weeks later. Right? When those pants don't fit quite right. Or if you grew up with like collecting baseball cards or football cards or comic books, it's like, oh man, I sold those for like five bucks or I threw them in the trash. And you see them on eBay for like a thousand dollars. Oh God, can you give me a do-over? I wish I had a do-over because I would take that decision back. But you see where those are fun and funny, we honestly, we have that very often with family and friends, don't we? 
I call them those moments that kind of jolt you. It's where Satan takes an opportunity to flick you in the head and say, remember when you did this, you idiot? And you just remember that thing that you said to a friend that was so close and now you've drifted so far apart. Or that thing you did to someone within your family or didn't show up for and you've just seen this drift go further and further apart and you say, God, I wish that I had a do-over because I would do that differently. I really wish that I could. But you see, just like we see here in Genesis 3, you can't go back. God is saying, I won't let you go back. Instead, I will provide for you a new way forward. And that's that first key in conflict resolution. It's realizing you can't go back, but we've got to find a new way forward together. And that's what God does. Again, that Genesis 3.15 passage, he provides a way forward to Jesus Christ. There's a reason that God doesn't pick us all up and plop us back in the Garden of Eden saying, hey, you read the book. You know what's going to happen if you disobey, right? So don't do it. God doesn't do it that way. Because, well, we'd still mess up. I would mess up. God's saying, I've given you a new way forward, and it's my son, Jesus Christ. It's what we celebrate as we start Advent, as we move our way towards his place incarnate for us. And these next two points kind of really build off of that. They're kind of the tools that God gives us. And the first one is this, repentance. And it's that focus that God is always ahead of you. It's not about what you've done, but about what lies ahead. We read this pretty often in like a, a time of confession, and I want to read this out loud for you. It's from 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. It's this. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now hear that verse again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Church, the way forward is what? What is the way forward? Repentance. Yes, repentance in what? What was it that we just read? Jesus is always the right answer. It's at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins on account of Jesus and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, Jesus, his being repentant of that, Jesus will put us in a state of being right with God. Because see, repentance is not going back to the way things were. Repentance is a genuine apology. It's sincere remorse. It's genuine regret for what I've done or for what I've said. And it's about finding a new way forward. We said it in our intro. Repenting is saying those three hardest words in the English language, genuinely, sincerely, and meaning it. And what were those three words again? The three hardest words in the English languages were? I am sorry. And, I like this one a lot, please forgive me. Because often, instead of saying those three things, we say the three easiest words in the English language. Do you know what that is? It's your fault. Right? It, I know there's a conjunction there. If you're laughing about my grammar, I cheated. Right? It's your fault. The three easiest words in the English language. Right? Because Adam and Eve tried to do it in the garden. Genesis 3. 
right? When he says, when God's walking through the cool of the day and he says, well, Adam, where are you? He's like, I hid because I'm naked. Well, how'd you know you were, you were naked? God, the woman that you gave me gave me the fruit to eat. And so God looks to Eve and Eve says, God, the serpent that you put here He's the one that gave me the fruit. He deceived me. Right? Not only are they blaming each other and blaming somebody else, who are they both blaming? They're blaming God. God, it's your fault. How well do you think that went for them? Not great, right? And honestly, that's where it, it, it reflects back on us. That's where the fall happened. That's where original sin happened. That's where we inherit our sinful nature. Because in that moment, they couldn't repent. Why do you think it's so hard for us? We've inherited this original sinful human nature. It's so hard for us to repent. It's so hard for us to say, I'm sorry. And it's so easy to point the finger to give someone else the blame. Think of that conflict you have within your family again. When does that conflict become a shouting match? When does it become a time where we're just trying to one-up each other the entire conversation? It's when someone refuses to what? Repent. And not one person, when both people refuse to forgive one another and refuse to repent. It just gets to pile higher and the distance between the two just gets so much further. So when they point the finger at God, does God one up them and say, oh man, you're pointing the finger at the wrong guy. He doesn't do that. He doesn't focus on what was done, God focuses on a way forward. God focuses on what lies ahead. Because see, he gave them Jesus. He already laid the plan out for Jesus. Jesus, as we just read, who takes on our sins, takes on our unrighteousness and puts us in a state of being right with God rather than placing the blame in us having to defend ourselves. Because you see, when you look at this verse, the key is, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. What we're saying is like, God, I don't have any blame to take on here. It's all your fault. And God says, if you want to play by the rules, I'm faithful and just. I'll play by those rules. We hear things like the parable of the unmerciful servant. Have you heard this? Have you heard this one? It sounds like a joke. It's not a joke. It's, it's in the Gospels. This is a parable from Jesus. Where there's a master, right? And he lords over this great, and there's a servant who has a huge debt and the master says, you know what, I forgive you of your debt. And the, the servant's like, oh, thank you, God. So the servant walks out and he finds a guy that owes him a couple bucks and says, hey, you owe me money, give it to me. And he says, man, I, I don't have it, but I'll find a way to give it to you. But instead, the servant who was just forgiven takes that servant who owes him money and throws him into debtor's prison. Says, ah, you're going to pay me back every cent I got. And the master comes back and he's, you know, the abbreviated version is he goes, dude, what are you doing? Do you not understand what I've already done for you on your sake? And takes that one and throws him in prison and brings upon him punishment instead. You see, God's saying, don't be held back by what you've done. I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on a way forward. Don't look for others to blame. And it's not about defending yourself or justifying your own sin. For we all have a desperate need of God and his forgiveness, don't we? I will say yes on my own behalf. And we have a God who desperately seeks to love us, 
Just the same. And he gives us this third part, and that's over here. It's reconciliation. And my slide's corrected this time, because what it says here, God does not try again. He does it new. It's not about trying again. It's about new mercies. I love that. When we have that prayer, God, your mercies are new every morning. Often we focus too much on getting back to the garden, and we don't focus enough on being in paradise. Say that again. We focus too much on being in the garden, and we don't focus enough on being in paradise. That's where we get our gospel reading today, right? The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. That's how we are reconciled with God, that crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And then he says, I'm going ahead of you to prepare in my Father's house of many rooms to prepare a place for you, for you to be with me, so you can be reconciled with God. So I ask you this, church, what is paradise? Is it being in the Garden of Eden? By the way, I imagine the Garden of Eden like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like where you can you know, pick up the teacup and drink it and then eat it and it's candy. Is it being in a place like that? No, I like the, the little voice I heard back there. No. It's being with God. That's paradise. That's what paradise was for Adam and Eve. That's what the Garden of Eden was. Made it paradise as they walked with God. And I love hearing that image. God was walking in the cool of the day. That's what I imagine paradise to be. I want to walk with God in the cool of the day. That's my favorite part of the day. With my favorite person. And my wife can come with me. She's second favorite. But walking with God in the cool of the day, that is paradise. We hear in 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 12. I want to read this out loud for you because it's our closing point here. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. And that key verse is up here. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Being regifted that eternal life. I love that. In this love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And here, this last verse here, church. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So we celebrate here again as we travel, we journey from Eden all the way to Christmas. Every Sunday in Advent that Jesus Christ, that birth that we celebrate on Christmas, his presence among us, he brought us love. He brought us forgiveness incarnate in the flesh so we could be made right with God and also that we can share that love with one another. So pair all this together. Paradise is being in the presence of God. And God is love. And this is a pale reflection, only a shadow of it. A shadow or pale reflection of paradise. But here this church, you can experience that reflection of paradise by sharing his love. God is love. And we're called to love one another every month of the year, every Sunday of the year, every day of the year, not just now. But hear that small experience of paradise 
being in the presence of God comes from loving one another. So conflict, I tell you, conflict is a journey. If you haven't had one, I can share some stories with you. And some of you are in different places with it, right? I had a lot of people this, this first service come up to me and be like, man, you hit me hard this morning because I'm, we just had Thanksgiving and I was fighting with my mom again. And I'm like, yep, best sermons are the ones you preach to yourself, buddy. <laughs> and I tell you that, you could be anywhere in that journey. And that journey sources all the way back to the birth of conflict in the Garden of Eden. And we see God giving us that gift of repentance and forgiveness. And not only that, God has promised to journey alongside us, to journey with us, reconciling us to him so we can truly bring reconciliation between one another. In his love, we truly have a beginning, an inkling of journey in paradise. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.